go and turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're going through the book of Ephesians, and we've come to verse 11 in chapter 4 of Ephesians. We're going to kind of take a little bit of a sidetrack this morning, looking at verse 11 more closely. And verse 11 is a little short, obviously. Verse 11 of Ephesians 4 says that Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. And we're going to, this morning, look more closely at that office of a, a pastor, teacher, or an elder. And what I thought we could do is read together the qualifications in 1 Timothy chapter 3 as we read God's Word together. So please stand with me, and we're going to read 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Paul writes this to his younger friend Timothy. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. You may be seated. Let's pray that God would continue to allow us to worship him as we come to his word. Father, we thank you this morning for our church, this church that you have have given, the church that you are the, the great shepherd of, that this church is your flock. Father, we thank you for our services this morning. We thank you for our Sunday school classes, for those who diligently labor to shepherd our children, for those who shepherd our Sunday school classes. Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to participate in, in, in baptism, and we thank you for those who proclaimed publicly their faith in your, your son, Jesus. Thank you for the clarity of their testimony and the, the joy that they, they have in their relationship with you through your son, Jesus. And Father, we thank you for the leaders that you have provided our church with, and we pray that we would have a, a great love for them and care for them, that we would be shaped by your word this morning. And we pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Lord willing... In a little over a year, our church will be installing elders here at Bethany Community Church. Uh, we believe that there are already men who are functioning as spiritual shepherds of our church, but uh, we believe that there are both some practical and some biblical reasons for us to wait until we have completed the process of becoming a legally independent church until we install men as, as elders in our church, and again, we believe that that process of becoming an independent church will be completed, Lord willing, uh, according to his plans, in a little over a year. Now, as I've talked with people about biblical eldership, what I've found is that there's a lot of confusion regarding that term and regarding that office. There's confusion about uh, what elders do, about how they relate to one another, about how the elders relate to the, the pastoral staff and specifically the, the senior pastor or teaching pastor of a church. And then there's a lot of confusion 
about how a, a elders relate to the congregation in a church. And uh, we won't solve all of those questions this morning, but what I hope this morning that will happen is that we'll have a, a common vision for what biblical eldership should look like and that we'll have made some commitments individually as to how we should relate to the, the elders in our church and that we would be passionate about pursuing biblical eldership here at Bethany Community Church. I'd like to begin by telling you two stories this morning. Now, uh, let me just acknowledge that I don't know the entire details of, of each uh, church that I'm going to be talking to you about this morning, but I, I know some details, and I'm going to share with you some of the details and some of the thoughts. The, the first story is a little less flattering than the second, and so I'm going to withhold names, uh, again, because I don't know the, the full context of the story, but this is a story that was reported in a, a news magazine and, or a, new, a, news, uh, a newspaper. And this, this paper was talking about this mega church that, that is here in North America. And it was talking about the pastor of this, of this mega church. And this pastor had been the founding pastor. He had planted the church sometime in the 1990s. And uh, it says this about the pastor and his, his authority. It says that this pastor uh, refuses to tolerate opposition in his church. He has little patience for dissent. In 2007, Two elders protested a plan that he had to reorganize the church that, according to critics, placed a great deal of consolidated power in his hands and his closest aides. Uh, the pastor, these, these elders were removed. They were removed, and I believe some of them were, were staff pastors as well, and so they were, they were fired. Then it, the story says this. The pastor, and I believe he's relating the, the story of, of the, the insubordination that occurred, and he said, the pastor told the congregation that he had asked for advice on how to handle subordinates from a martial arts expert. The martial arts expert told the pastor, when I encounter insubordination, I break their noses. And the pastor shared that, that story with his congregation. Now, again, I don't know all the details, but I do know this, all right? When encountering opposition from fellow elders, the wrong response is to break their noses, either literally or figuratively. Wrong response, right? Let me tell you another story. M many of you know that I have a, a great deal of respect for a pastor named John Piper. Uh, John Piper is a pastor in Minnesota and, and just has an amazing ministry. He's shaped my understanding of, of God's Word in some very profound ways, and he's also shaped my understanding of, of pastoral ministry. You may have heard about this, but, but a few years, he's very, very influential pastor, not just in his church, but, but just in the evangelical community at large. Well, a few years ago, he had a change that he desired to implement in his church, and he began to, to lead his elders in implementing this change, and they were talking about it. They even had a proposal that they put forth in front of the, the congregation, and they were, they, were, they were engaged in a lot of dialogue. Now, two pastors on this elder board I believe his two pastors, expressed some, some lack of comfortableness with, with moving forward. These two pastors were able to stop the entire process because John Piper and the other elders said, you know, we don't have consensus here. And because we don't have consensus among the leadership, we're not going to continue to pursue this. Now, I don't know the full story there either, but, but I do know this, right? That a, a church that has strong leadership exercising mutual submission to one another is going to be a more healthy church than when that does not exist. And I know also that a church is only going to be as healthy as its leadership is. 
a church is only going to be as strong as its leadership is. And therefore, strong, healthy, biblical leadership is a passion that each of us in here should have. Uh, We should desire to have strong leaders who are functioning in in a healthy way in, in submission to God's word. And what I hope happens this morning is this. I I hope we kind of cast a vision for what this leadership looks like. We kind of get on the same page as to what true biblical eldership looks like, at least in very broad strokes. And then all of us say, you know what, I'm committed to responding to my elders in the way that Scripture calls me to. And not only that, I'm going to be praying for our church in the, this time period as we begin to, to establish elders in our church. And, and not only that, I, I'm going to be in prayer for them long after that. And, and not only that, I'm going to, to hold my leaders accountable to make sure that they are in submission to God's word and that, that our church does produce elders in accordance with what God's word tells us to do. I'm excited about our time this morning, and I hope that you are as well. Again, our our main idea is this, that that we as a church must be committed. We must be committed to be led by men who will care for the church through sacrificial leadership. That's my passion this morning, and I hope it's your passion as well. I'm I'm glad that we're here in Ephesians chapter 4. That's why we're taking a little bit more time this morning to focus on verse 11. I don't want us to just kind of go through without spending some time talking about what this role of a shepherd teacher, pastor teacher is. What we're going to do is this. We're going to examine five truths about spiritual shepherds and our response to them, our, the, how we need to apply that, that uh, in our, our lives as well. Let me give you a little caveat here. Some of these, uh, as we talk to this, uh, as we talk through this, uh, just understand this. These are, uh, I believe, biblical principles, and I'm trying to stay away somewhat from my convictions now, it's, it's, it's a hard blend, right, when talking about church leadership and church government. But I'm trying to, to, to paint, paint some very broad brushstrokes about biblical leadership. And what I found is this. What I found is that churches implement these biblical principles in a variety of ways. And sometimes, even though they call them different things, they have people functioning in these ways. What I've also found is that in a church that's healthy, they're going to take these biblical principles and they're going to, to implement them no, no matter how their church constitution or bylaws are structured. They're going to be implementing them in healthy ways. Conversely, what I've found is that in a church that's unhealthy, you can put the most biblical system in place and they're still going to implement it unbiblically, right? There's going to be a, in a healthy church this, this life, the life-giving spirit that allows things to kind of work out even if things aren't always put together exactly the right way. In an unhealthy church, it doesn't matter how beautiful of a constitution you have, you know, they're still going to louse it up. I mean that in a biblical way. Uh, so this morning, we're, we're talking about uh, five truths about elders, about spiritual shepherds, and, and how we are to respond. And the, the first truth is this. Uh, shepherds are a gift. Shepherds are a gift. Appreciate them. Remember, Paul's talking here in Ephesians chapter 4, and as he's gone through here in Ephesians chapter 4, he's talked about gifts that Christ has given to his church. And the first thing, we talked about this last week that he talks about, are gifts that God has given to each individual in the church. So one person has the gift of teaching, another person has the gift of serving, another person has uh, the gift of, of helps or administration. And so all these gifts, uh, every person in the church, every individual in here who is a believer has been given gifts by God through his spirit that they are to be exercising in the context of ministry. And what we saw last week is that, that you, if you're a believer, have this gift 
that God has, has called you to exercise in his church, and if you're not exercising your spiritual gift, our church is weaker for it. And our church will not be as strong as it could be. We cannot reach our ultimate potential apart from you exercising your spiritual gift in Christ's church. That's what we saw last week. Gifts are given to individuals. What we also see this morning, though, is this, that gifts are also given, a gift is also given to the church at large. So there's gifts given to individuals, and then there's also a, a gift that's given to the church at large. And verse 11 talks about these gifts that are given to the church at large. He, he gave the apostles, the prophets. We've talked before about how the prophets and the apostles had this, this foundation-laying ministry, and they laid the foundation of the, of the teaching of the, the apostles and prophets, and, and now other people continue to build on that. He also gave to the church at large evangelists, these people who, who proclaim the gospel of Christ. They're given to the church at large. And then he, he has his last here, he says the, the shepherds and teachers or the pastors and teachers. There's a variety of terms that are used in Scripture to describe this last office. One term is the term used here, pastor or pastor-teacher. Pastor is another word for pastor is shepherd. Okay, so you have shepherds, pastors. That's one way to describe this, this gift of these, these spiritual leaders. Another word that Scripture uses is elders. Okay, so there's pastor-teacher, there's, there's shepherd, there's elders. Another word that's used is overseer. And the same word that we translate overseer is the, the same word that you get the word bishop from, okay? So a variety of terms are used here, pastor, shepherd, elder, uh, overseer, or bishop. A variety of terms, they all describe the same office. How can I say they all describe the same office? Well, there's a couple passages, and we won't turn to all these right now. We'll be looking at some of these later. There's a couple passages that take all three terms, elder, pastor, overseer, and just kind of mix them together. Uh, one example is in 1 Peter chapter 5. In 1 Peter chapter 5, as, as Peter is, is writing his, uh, and giving instructions to the elders, he says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. Uh, then verse 2 says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Okay, so he uses all three words there, uh, elder, shepherd, overseer, interchangeably. He, Paul does that in, in Acts chapter 20 as well as he's talking to the, the uh, elders from Ephesus. He, he talks about uh, how they're elders, and he talks about how they need to shepherd, and he talks about how they're to exer exercise oversight. So uh, elders, a wrong understanding of elders is to say, well, you have pastors over here, and then a completely distinct office is elders, and then a completely distinct office from, from that is, is a bishop or an overseer. Uh, all three terms describe the same office in the church, the office of a spiritual leader. They have the same amount of authority, and they have the same responsibilities in, in Scripture. Pastor, elder, overseer. That's not to say, though, that there's not sometimes uh, some distinctions in how these elders function within a group together. We see in Scripture sometimes there are, are special situations. So, for example, uh, sometimes, Paul tells Timothy, it's necessary to, to pay one of the elders. He says uh, elders that rule well, he's talking specifically there in the context of teaching, are worthy of called double honor. He says, pay these guys. Sometimes we look at elders and you say, you know what, uh, this guy, we believe he has some special gifting and we want him to be in charge of our teaching ministry. And so we're going to, we're going to pay him so that he doesn't have to, to have a job outside the church and can focus his time on shepherding the church and, and teaching. That would be my, my job, for example, right? We also see in Scripture sometimes where some elders within a group took on special prominence as, as far as being spokespeople. Peter was a spokesperson for the group. Uh, James was a spokesperson for a group. Titus, Timothy, Paul, all of these guys were, were elders who functioned in a group of elders and yet at times took on special prominence as, as a spokesperson. 
Oftentimes in our church context or cultural context today, that's a senior pastor or a teaching pastor, or sometimes it's in certain such, uh, settings it's a, a chairperson of the elder board. Or it can be a variety of people, but the important thing I think to understand is this. All people who function as, as elders have equal authority and have equal responsibility to shepherd the church. Uh, furthermore, a person who is, the, say, for example, a senior pastor needs to be very careful. I understand that I have a special, a special privilege in having the pulpit or a music stand every week. Okay? I've got 45 minutes or so of, of uh, uncontested airtime, and I have to be very careful how I, how I use that privilege. In fact, just a few weeks ago, I was, I was uh, getting ready to, to preach, and, and I was kind of going through my notes, and I said, you know what, I remember there's someone on the leadership team who has a little bit of a different take here on this, on this interpretation that I'm giving. I need to make sure that what I'm saying is still in submission to the group. And so I found that person Sunday morning. I said, hey, listen, uh, this, is how, this is what I'm going to say. Does that sound reasonable to you? He said, yeah, that's great, you know, go for it. I said, okay, that's great. But there needs to be that mutual submission because I need to exercise uh, my, uh, my, my, my responsibility to be in submission to the group at large. Okay, the, the fact that some, sometimes a pastors can be tempted to abuse this. If there's a, a conflict within the, the group of elders, hey, look, I've got, I've got pulpit time, and I'm going to just ram home my position. That's an unbiblical way to function as leaders. That's also one reason why I'm, I'm hesitant to, to lead meetings sometimes. You, you want to distinguish the, the teaching time from the time when there's uh, open communication and saying, look, this isn't, a, this isn't a, a time of teaching from the Word. We're talking about some more administrative items. Anyway, the point here is this. Uh, God has given his church spiritual shepherds, and our responsibility as spiritual shepherds is to function as a group to shepherd the church. I was talking to, a, and our responsibility as a congregation is what? To appreciate these uh, leaders, these spiritual shepherds. I was talking to a friend recently, and he was telling me about some things that were going on in his church, and he said, you know, I love preaching God's word, but my people really don't like hearing it. He says, they just do not enjoy listening to God's word. They have told me that. They said, you know what, we want less, less wordiness, less, and I don't think they're talking about the length of his sermon. Uh, they want less of God's word in the messages. And that lack of appreciation for his office as a pastor has, has been very evident he said that the church, since the time he began, I believe it was about seven years ago, until now, the church has raised his salary one time, and it was $600, okay? So he's making $600 now, more now than he was seven years ago, and, and he didn't start off at a very a high pay as well. The church doesn't appreciate his family. There, there's just some very uh, tense items. That's, I feel sorry for that pastor, but I feel even more sorrow for the congregation. Because that, because that congregation is missing out on the blessing of having a pastor whom they appreciate and be obedient to God's word. And so our application here is, our, our thing we under, need to understand is that shepherds are a gift. That's what Ephesians 4.11 tells us. And our application is that we need to appreciate them. Okay? Now let me just say this. I have no, no word of correction for anyone in the church on this matter. 
our family, from the time that we, we came to central Illinois, has been, and I, I do not say this with false modesty, I do not say this with false modesty, our family has been appreciated far more than we deserve. This past week, I received an ordination anniversary card in the mail. They don't make ordination anniversary cards, okay? There's an older saint at Bethany Baptist Church who made an ordination anniversary card for me. My mother didn't send me a, an ordination anniversary card. Whitney didn't make me an ordination uh, anniversary dinner. Uh, I didn't even know it was my ordination anniversary. I looked at the card, four-year anniversary, I, really, is that right? No clue. I still don't know what exact date is my ordination anniversary. But some, God laid on someone's heart to remember that and to write it down. Okay. My family has never had any need go unmet in our time here at Bethany. That's not a testimony to, uh, to our abilities. It's a testimony to a church being a gracious church. You're a church that comes you know, John says, I have no greater joy than this than to hear that my children are walking in obedience or walking in the truth. And that's by far the, the greatest sign of, a, of appreciation that a church can show. It's, it's, it's elders, it's pastors. Two weeks ago, Whitney was home sick with the kids, and, or the kids were, were home and were sick, and Whitney was home with them. I came home, and, and she goes, well, well, how did things go today? I said, boy, you know, I just... I felt like I was swimming in molasses up there. It just felt like my delivery was just way off. She goes, well, did people say negative things to you? I said, no, you know those people. They're not paying attention to me. They're listening to the Word of God. She goes, well, maybe you should do the same thing, you know. I, every week, I come here, and we have the opportunity to open God's Word together, and I'm confident that this is a church that's passionate about God's Word. You appreciate your pastors, and so I have no word of correction for you. It, it, only encouragement, continue. Not for my sake, not for the sake of the elders, but because, as, as the writer of Hebrews says, it's for your benefit as those who guard your souls and watch your souls. And so it's, a, it's an encouragement to me, and I exhort you to continue in this as we establish other leaders. The second truth that I'd like us to consider, we're going to turn to another text, we're going to turn to Titus, and if you kind of start turning to the right and more towards the end of the Bible, you're going to see a bunch of T books. There's the Thessalonians, and then the, the Timothys, and then Titus is that last book there. But uh, Titus, chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 5 through 9. The next, character, next truth we see about spiritual shepherds is that spiritual shepherds are to be qualified, and so you need to choose them carefully. Spiritual shepherds are to be qualified, so choose them carefully. Again, we looked at the qualifications in, in Timothy already, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, but you can look at those again as, as well as you like. We're going to be talking about both passages. But Titus tells, or Paul tells Titus this, verse 5, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order, and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his Children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. Verse 7. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught 
so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. A couple things about this passage. First of all, notice this. There are a variety of ways in which elders are appointed in the church, at least as far as the example that we see in the New Testament. We have examples of, of Paul and Barnabas appointing elders. We have uh, examples of, the, of the, the churches themselves being in charge of, of appointing the elders. Here we have Titus, an individual in charge of appointing other elders. And we don't know exactly what Titus did in order to appoint these elders, but we do know the qualifications these elders. So there's a, a variety of ways to appoint elders, and, and here at Bethany Community Church, we've not established the process for appointing elders. It will involve, uh, involve selecting faithful men. We notice here, too, what? That it's, 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 we notice in 1 Timothy as well, that it's okay for a person to aspire to the office of overseer, the office of an elder. And so it's okay for a person to have the, the Holy Spirit be working on their hearts and say, you know what? I need to talk to the leaders of the church. Because I believe that, that I would be a, a good elder, and I believe that God may be working in my heart in this area. And so it's appropriate for a person to contact the leaders and say, look, this is what I believe God is telling me. I'd like you to, to tell me if, if you see this as, as well. Or is this something that I'm off base on? Or, or are there some weaknesses in my life that, that I need to be working on in order to become an elder? Please let me know. I, I'm in submission to you as, as, uh, as my spiritual leaders. So there's a variety of ways to appoint these people. It's a, a good thing to aspire to do. And we also see here that there, again, in the context of Bethany Community Church, there's going to be people in the body coming forward. There's going to be times of, of training, explaining what we believe elders are to do. There's going to be a time of testing where people in the church look at these people's lives and say, okay, we know what the qualifications for an elder are. Yes, we believe you meet those. Or, or no, we're not quite sure about some areas. We need to, to talk to the leadership about this area in a person's life. That this person may not have a, a family that, that's uh, under control, that there's some things in their personal life that just need some attention right now. So he lists these, these various qualifications here. Let me just talk about a couple of them. First qualification, this overarching qualification, is that this person is above reproach. He says this in Titus, and he says it in 1 Timothy as well. And I believe that's the main quality that an elder needs to have, a person who's above reproach. And it doesn't mean a person who's sinless, obviously, but it means a person who no one in the community, no one in the church can say their life is completely not characterized by, by these qualities that a Christ-like person should have. Their testimony is not damaged in the community because of, of actions that they have, have done, things that they have participated in. They're a person whose life exemplifies the transforming power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is, is manifest in their lives. There's a variety of, of different ways that this is manifest. Paul mentions some here in Titus, and he mentions it in, it in 1 Timothy as well. Notice, too, that these, uh, these leaders are to be male, they're to be, to be men, and we're not going to go into to this right now, but there are a variety of, of reasons for this that we see biblically. Another characteristic is that this person is a, a, the husband of one wife, and literally this means a one-woman man, a, a man of one woman. This guy, I don't believe that Paul is, is saying that this person now, these, these are my interpretations here, my convictions of what Paul is saying. Remember, the overarching quality is a, a, a person who's, a, a, who's blameless, who's, who's above reproach. Now, here's, now, Paul's listening to examples of what this looks like in a person's life. And so he's saying that they're a one-woman man. And so his focus here, I believe, is this. Well, let me first say what I don't believe his focus is. I don't believe that he's addressing here the issue of, of whether or not a, a person could have been married previously and been divorced 
or be widowed. I don't think he's talking about that. I don't think he's excluding a single person from this, this office of elders either. I believe what he is saying is that this person is a person pure in heart. Their, their attention, if they're married, is upon their wife alone. They're not a person whose heart is divided. They're not flirtatious in their behavior. They're a one-woman man committed to the purity of their marriage. Another qualification that he lists here is, is that, the, the, that this person is sober-minded or they're disciplined, they're, they're careful thinkers. In our leadership team, what we do sometimes, or we've done in the past, is we've talked about an issue, kind of given a scenario. We've said, imagine this happens in our church, and it's all things that have, that have happened in churches in reality. So, okay, say this happens in church, in our church. How are we as, as elders going to respond to that, or how are we as spiritual leaders going to respond to that? And we go around, and we, and we don't begin just shooting off our own opinions, at least we try not to. Oh, we first come to the Word of God, and we say, okay, well, here's what this verse says, and here's what I interpret this to mean in this situation. Here's what this word says. It is what this passage says, and here's how I believe it applies in this situation. And our goal is to, to be sober-minded, to be disciplined in our thinking, because crises are going to happen in this church. There are going to be times of testing in our church, and we need to have spiritual leaders who are equipped to handle those times. Other qualifications he mentions is that they're, they're self-controlled. They're not people that are just flying off the handle. They're, they're respectable. They're well, well thought of in the community. They're, they're able to teach. We're going to talk more about this next week. But these people are, are in, in, a, in a few moments as well. But these people are able to, to take the word of God. They're able to see a situation in which it's, it's not the word of God and say, look, this is wrong. And this is why this teaching is wrong. Now, here's the right teaching. These are capable men in this area. Titus makes this very clear. They're not drunkards. They're not addictive, uh, addicted to certain behaviors. They're gentle people. They're not argumentative people in, in a situation. You can imagine what a terrible thing it is to, to have an argumentative leader, an arrogant leader. That's another characteristic that's listed as well. They're not a, a lover of money. They're good managers of their household. They have faithful children. Now, I'm glad my, my kids aren't here to, to hear me say this, right? But uh, I've thought carefully about how this applies to me and, and to my life because I believe this is one of the, the characteristics that we, that we just write off. So if a, kid, if, a, if a leader has just very rebellious children and they're young, we say, well, they're just kind of young kids. You know, young kids are going to be young kids. And then the kids get a little bit older. They're teens, and, and they're still ex- exhibiting rebellious behavior. And we say, well, you know, Teens are going to be teens, and, and there's never a time in, in their lives in which we say, you know what, this person, this shepherd may not be qualified to be a spiritual shepherd or an elder because th- their family really isn't exercising any sort of control. What I've told my kids is this, or let me tell you first what I have never told my kids. I've never told the kids, look, you better behave because dad's a pastor, and if you don't behave, we're out on the street. Okay. You like your toys? <laughs> then just watch your mouth, right? <laughs> you know, I think that's one of the most damaging things you can do to a child. And I'm not going to do it to my kids. I've told them, I've told them sometimes as we prepare to go in someone's house, hey, be on your best behavior tonight, guys, because you're representative of Christ. Okay? And you don't want to embarrass Jesus Christ. You want to glorify God with your behavior. And I have every confidence in the world that there are going to be times where my children fail to exhibit Christ in the way that they should. 
I know that there are going to be times without exception that, that I'm going to fail to exhibit Christ in the way that I should as a pastor. What I have told my kids is this. I've told them this. I've said, if you ever need daddy, if you ever need daddy, I don't care what I'm getting ready to do ministry-wise. I don't care if it's Sunday morning and you have a need that's a pressing need. I'm there. I don't care what the meeting is. I don't care what the, the, who I'm going to meet with. It doesn't matter. You are my first priority. And if there ever comes a time in the life of this church or in the life of my family where my children are, are not under control, and there's a child that needs my attention, my more focused time, I'm there, right? I don't care. I, I, I'll ask the elders. I'll say, look, I need, I need to step down. I need to step aside while I focus on this, on this issue with my child because my children are my first congregation, and that's the attitude that a pastor needs to have because that same care for our children is the, the care that we exhibit to the body at large. He says also, he goes on and says that he must be a good manager of his household. They have to have faithful children. They can't be a, a new believer. They need to be someone who loves good and walks in good. You know, I'm looking at our time, and I don't think I'm going to be able to get through all these this morning, so I'm not going to, to try to, to finish these this morning. I'm going to focus here on this, on this uh, I think I'm going to finish just focusing on this one. I'm going to say a couple more here about shepherds being qualified and choose them carefully, and then next week we'll pick up the last three. Let me, let me go back, and there was, a, there was uh, some things that I skipped because I wanted to, because I thought I was going to try to get through these, and now I'm, I'm realizing there's just no way. Let me, let me go back to self-control and relate it back to this, this idea of being gent, a gentle person. I believe that, that this is a, a crucial thing for us to examine as well as we examine leaders because a person who's able to interact with other people who would disagree with them needs to be able to do it in a way that's going to glorify God. And so as we examine people who are oppressed, we see what kind of comes out of their, their, their hearts as they exhibit those, those disagreements. I, I remember when I was a youth pastor, it was my first couple months at Bethany Baptist Church. And there were a couple kids who had, had snuck off and, and just gotten into a little bit of trouble, okay? Well, uh, I did not react well to that, okay? I, I, I let them have it. Took them to my office, and, you know, I just gave them a pounding. Frankly, I lost my temper. I lost my temper with them. Six years go by. I have forgotten completely about this. In my mind, everything is, is fine. I have good relationships with these kids. One of the kids gets in a situation again. I'm, I'm talking with them, and as I'm talking with them, I, I recognize there's just a, a real, um, just real upset at me, to put it nicely. And I asked him, I said, what's going on? Is there something be between, between us that I, I'm not aware of? And this, this kid said, you know what, I don't even know if you're qualified to be a pastor. I said, who told you? <laughs> You've been talking to my wife? Uh, he said, no, don't you remember my, you know, back here six years ago, how you lost your temper at me? Oh, you know what, I, I, I'd totally forgotten about that. And I asked this person, to, I said, please forgive me for that. I don't remember exactly what I did. I don't remember the exact circumstances, but I, I'm, I'm sure that if, if I responded in an angry way, you're absolutely right that I was wrong in that. Will you please forgive me? 
And I believe that Satan had used that incident of me losing my, my, my cool with these kids who were being disobedient in order to, 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 to just have a playground in this kid's life, in his heart, or at least his heart attitude toward me. What a terrible thing. What a terrible thing. And uh, I believe that a, a, a pastor, an elder, must be very careful in how he interacts with people. Last weekend, I was speaking at a singles retreat, and I, I made this magnanimous offer. I said, uh, ladies and guys, you're single. You need help. I will help pick a spouse for you. Okay? I am incredibly qualified, and I, I said, had Whitney stand up as an, you know, this is exhibit A. I obviously make good choices. All right? Now, just trust your, <laughs> the rest of your life's destiny to me. And I did not have any real takers, amazingly enough. But imagine someone had taken me up on that kind of magnanimous offer that I, that I made. And I said, well, great. Uh, this, this, uh, this young lady has uh, allowed me to, to pick a spouse for her. Uh, any volunteers? That guy. Hey, that guy has volunteered. That's your, everyone that agrees that that's the guy, raise your hand. Everyone raise your hand. Hey, we voted him in. He's good. Come on. Let, this is the, your new husband. What would she say to me? Are you insane? Aren't you going to talk? To, are you going to ask him some questions first? Aren't you going to kind of examine his life and, and make sure this is a, a godly guy? I'm going to be submitting to this guy for the rest of my life. I'm placing my spiritual care in the, the hands of this man. I said, well, look, everybody voted on him. But that's what we do with spiritual leaders sometimes, right? We have a meeting. We say, hey, who wants to be a spiritual leader? Any volunteers? Okay, look, this guy wants to be a spiritual leader. Anyone disagree? Okay, you're in, right? It's a very dangerous thing for us to do. You are going to be having, over the next year, a little more, the opportunity to help shape the elders that we have at this church. And I would encourage each person to take this responsibility very seriously. As we put forth names of different people to, 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 to get together with them, we'll have opportunities for you to, to ask them questions, and, I believe, and we'll have opportunities for you to interact with them and, and ask them some hard questions. Ask them about their, their, their personal lives and the, the lives of their family. Ask them about their understanding of God's Word. Do they have these, these qualifications? Do they have the ability to nurture you spiritually, to shepherd your soul? I believe that God is called you to be responsible to help make sure that godly men are the people that are shepherding this church. If God calls you to leave this church, I would encourage you, you as well. Be careful not to settle at a church, to make sure that you're going to a church that's exercising spiritual principles of leadership as well. Well, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and close here. Let me just encourage you with uh, the, 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 what we, we started off with, our understanding that we started off with as well, that Lord willing, within the next year, we're going to be establishing some elders. We're going to be installing our first elders. Understand, when we do that, that is a gift from God. That is a gift from God, and our church is going to be as strong as its leaders are. So I'd encourage you now to be recognizing that as a gift, to be praying for that, praying, praying toward that end, uh, to be looking out and saying, you know, I believe that here's some men that may be qualified uh, for this, have a common vision for what this leadership should look like and be responding as God has called you to respond in your care and protection of, of these men as well. Next week, we'll be looking at some more characteristics of biblical eldership and what our responsibility 
as a congregation is to these men. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the opportunity to learn from it about spiritual shepherds. I pray that you would give us your grace to be obedient in this area. We pray for the men that you're going to call to lead our church, that you would allow us to to love them, care for them, pray for them according to your plan for us. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.